I'm now joined by Sunil Thakur, who was appointed as co-manager on our Global Equity Fund in September 2011. Sunil, thank you for joining me today, all the way from Arlington in Virginia, US. Sunil, we've heard from your colleague Dave Levinson in the past. Can you help us understand how you work with Dave and other members of the team at SANS? Sure. Well, as everything we do at SANS, it's a collaborative approach. And so our portfolio management team is a team of three equals, myself, Dave Levinson, and Perry Williams. And then we work in an integrated fashion with our 35-person investment team, uh, really thinking of the research process as sort of an ongoing two-way dialogue between the portfolio management team and and the research team. And how do you split the idea generation between yourself, Dave, and, and Perry? We really don't split it. You know, one of the luxuries of a concentrated portfolio is we can afford to have redundancy uh, and we don't necessarily need to focus on efficiency. We just need to focus on getting the best outcome. So each one of the three of us takes full responsibility for the entire portfolio and we really do do each part of the research process from idea generation through research and decision making as a collaborative team effort. You managed to avoid the idea of consensus or groupthink in your decision making process. We do. A lot of that is is personality driven uh, in the sense that we each are, are as sole owners of the portfolio, each of us thinking that way. We have a natural instinct to argue with each other, debate, push each other on our ideas. Uh, certainly when you have a group, groupthink is always one of, is one of the biggest risks. Uh, and the way we mitigate that is, is just by being so deeply entrenched in the research process and each having ownership for the outcomes that if we disagree with one of the other colleagues, we have an incentive to speak up. Now, now, your fund invests with a style that is a bit different to some of our other managers and tends to lead into some quite interesting areas of investment. I note that you've got a particularly large exposure to the technology sector and, and Facebook's an, a, a stock that you hold in, uh, in that part of the market. Perhaps you could elaborate as to what is attractive to you about the sector and, and that particular stock? Sure. It's, it's a criteria-driven attraction. So if we step back and we look at Sands Capital, we are a long-term oriented concentrated growth manager with a focus on owning leading businesses with sustainable competitive advantages that are operating in attractive business spaces. Now, if we take those criteria and we apply them to businesses like Baidu uh, and Facebook, you will see that those businesses are extremely attractive economically, fixed cost operating platforms and near monopoly type business positions. They're highly innovative. They're driving well above average growth because of the businesses in which they operate, mobile advertising for Facebook and uh, mobile search and web search for Baidu. So now let me, if I could just interrupt you, Baidu is, is probably not a name that's so familiar to our listeners as, as Facebook, which I'm sure just about everyone knows. Perhaps you could just spend a, a wee bit of time explaining about the background to Baidu. In a nutshell, Baidu is the Google of China. And as Internet penetration grows, and in particular as mobile Internet penetration grows, so too is the search advertising revenue for Baidu. And an interesting characteristic of the Chinese market is Google has left that market, and Baidu is now essentially the only game in town, at least among competitors with any amount of scale. So that gives you a really attractive investment opportunity in something that's essentially operating in a monopolistic environment. Exactly. Operating in a monopolistic environment or at worst a duopolistic environment with very attractive and and, and strong growth tailwinds behind it. China is really a country that has leapt into the world of e-commerce and mobile telephony at a much faster rate than many other countries around the world, and it's benefiting companies like Baidu. 
And that, and that brings me on to thinking about the disparity between the US market and, and I suppose Asia more broadly, but there are going to be differences between the different countries in Asia. Is this disparity something you feel will continue? I think so. And when we talk about Asia, it's very difficult to generalize. But there are some interesting economic trends going on across the region that, that affect each geography a little bit differently. If we, if we look at a place like, like Japan, it's a country that's really trying to dig itself out of an economic and a demographic hole. And they've made quite a lot of progress. They've used non-traditional monetary policy, just as we've done here in the West. That has stimulated some nominal economic growth and inflation. And that's making Japan, at least at the margin to us, uh, a potentially more interesting or, shall I say, less unattractive place to invest than we have historically. And, and we think that will, will, will be likely to continue. China is trying to undergo what we call the big pivot as they migrate from an investment-led economic growth model to more of a consumption-driven model. And if you look at investments in companies like Baidu or in other areas uh, where we have investments like a company, Taiwan-based Ginkgo, which is the largest supplier of contact lenses in China, businesses that are poised to benefit from that growth in consumer spending. In other areas like India, we think you know the country is really beginning to get its political and uh, economic house in order. Uh, there's an election coming up in a couple of months, and, and if that uh, – goes the way it appears that it's going, we may see several years of a sustained uptick in growth and spending in India. And so there's a lot of puts and takes. None of this is without risk, but there are a number of attractive growth drivers really beginning to uh, provide some attractive tailwinds across Asia. And the key message out of that is is that not only have you got to look at opportunities on a stop-by-stop basis, but also on a country-by-country basis. There's no point in just painting the whole of the Asian region as one single area of investment. You're absolutely right. In fact, I think that's one of the biggest challenges for a purely bottom-up fundamental stock picker such as SANS. It's not that difficult for us to find great growth businesses. Uh, it's a little bit more difficult to find great growth businesses that meet our leadership and quality criteria, but we are able to find those businesses. The biggest challenge, I think, in stitching all of that research work into a portfolio is balancing the micro with the macro, if you will. Finding the great companies, but then finding them in geographies that are favorable for those great companies sustaining growth at above average rates, and then also having that growth be worth something when we convert it back into U.S. dollars or British pounds, which means we have to think about the currencies in those countries as well. And finally, given that markets have had such a successful 2013, how does all of that make you think about the opportunities for 2014? Well, we're not in the business of making firm predictions in terms of the direction of equity markets, but what I would say is When we look at the individual businesses that we own and the geographies in which we own those businesses, we remain quite optimistic. Uh, The portfolio has a weighted average growth rate of about 25% in terms of the expected growth and earnings of the portfolio companies over the next several years. While valuations might be up a little bit, maybe at the high end of normal, they still seem quite fair to us, and we think the portfolio has an expected returns on an absolute basis somewhere in the low to mid-teens range. So from a business growth perspective and from a portfolio return perspective, we think we're right in the middle of of what we would consider to be a a normal range. So looking forward, uh, we have no reason to think that uh, we won't be able to generate continued strong performance when viewed over 
long-term time horizons, uh, we, we tend to focus on rolling returns over three- and five-year periods. And when we look out over that duration, uh, we're quite comfortable. So, no, that's really helpful and interesting. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.